I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Welcome to River Cafe Table 4, a production of iHeartRadio and Atomize Studios. This is River Cafe Table 4. With me, Ruthie Rogers. On River Cafe Table 4, I talk to friends who know the River Cafe well about food, the food they cook, the food they eat, the food of their memories. Penne with zucchini and lemon zest. Serve six. This week, I have the wonderful, beautiful, brilliant, <laughs> few adjectives, Emily Blunt. One kilo medium zucchini, yellow, green, or ridged. In each episode, my guest reads a recipe they have chosen from one of our cookbooks. Two tablespoons extra virgin olive oil, 250 grams unsalted butter, one garlic clove peeled and thinly sliced, 350 grams penne, one bunch of fresh mint leaves roughly torn, two lemons, preferably amalfi. Wash and trim the zucchini and cut into small pieces. And in a large saucepan, heat the olive oil with 100 grams of the butter. Add the zucchini and stir. Season well, adding the garlic. Cook gently, stirring from time to time for 20 minutes. Bring a pot of salted water to the boil. Add the penne to the water and cook 10 minutes or until al dente. Drain and add the zucchini. Add the remaining butter and the mint leaves. Mix thoroughly. Great lemon zest on top. Thank you, Emily. <laughs> Here, we Here we are in the River Cafe, late afternoon, looking at the restaurant, getting ready, actually, for the evening service. Can't wait. I was so happy that you chose this recipe, because it is one of my favorites. Actually, I say that most times, that every <laughs> recipe is my favorite. But this one is. And I was wondering, why this recipe? Do you cook it? Honestly, it just has three of my favorite things in it. So any, I just wanted to pick one of your pasta dishes because it is my ultimate favorite thing and what I crave most. And did you grow up eating pasta? Yeah. Pasta, the food of your childhood? <laughs> but it was more like spaghetti, you know. Yeah. Who cooked in your house? My mum. My mum did tell it. Tell me about her cooking. Well, God bless her. She had four kids, and I'm sure we were all wanting different things. And she just had so many kids and so little time that very often she'd be like, you know you get what you get and you don't get upset but I do have this lasting memory of her spaghetti bolognese and then always wanting just pasta with butter and cheese as well so she would always let us have the pasta with the butter and cheese if we had the bolognese first and I find myself doing it to my kids I will bribe them they've got to have the sauce pasta and then they can have just the butter and butter cheese butter and cheese butter yeah. and cheese it's so true when kids come to the river cafe for lunch families you know two pasta butter and cheese but in fact it is really delicious <laughs> it's actually it? delicious <laughs> so, you know, no i have to be careful not to shovel it into my mouth yeah. as i'm serving it to them yeah. they yeah. love 
lasagna. Yeah, they love. I, I mean, I've always made them all kinds of pasta sauces, and I'll sneak all kinds of things in there and yeah. try and get it past them. My oldest one will try most things: steak, chicken. Neither of them want the fish, apart from sushi. Love they sushi. don't eat fish. It's funny about, yeah. I know. Yeah, my stepson's had to eat fish till he was about 30, I think. It's know. so weird. I don't know why. Fear of fish. Maybe the way they look or maybe the bones. Maybe it's the way they look. <laughs> to be honest, I think it is more the way they look. They it kind of envision what really they look at. Yeah, and it kind yeah. of grosses them out. Yeah. We were once in Greece. He was about four. And he was fishing. He'd stand there all day. We made this little fishing rod in the harbor. And in the end, Richard, my husband, actually went to the market and bought a fish and we all dove down <laughs> put the fish on the hook and then I think he never ate a fish again for a long time. We had a fishing experience in Martha's Vineyard where we like to go every summer because John's mm. from Boston yeah. and his whole family is sort of around there and it's a magical place Martha's Vineyard. Yeah, it's beautiful. Just absolutely love yeah. it. It's so bizarre and bohemian yeah. special but we took the kids fishing and Hazel pulled in a fish and it flopped around on the deck and she yeah. screamed. Sweet. Never recovered. Yeah. She was like, it's bleeding. Like, it was awful. It's very real. So do they cook with you? Do they come in the they kitchen? They do. I make this chicken noodle soup that they really love. How do you make that? Well, I actually use ginger in it mm. and it has this kind of richness to it. Either I'll use leftover roast chicken or I'll sort of sear some chicken thighs. I usually like using chicken thighs, boneless, mm. skinless. They're like a dream, mm. aren't they? You can mm. kind of put them mm. in anything. And it's got carrots and celery and onions and beautiful chicken stock wine and those egg noodles, and they just love it. I always mm. say you should always have chicken soup around. I always have a pot of chicken soup because there is something so sustaining about it. You yeah, it's very Moorish. It was one of the first things yeah. I made for John, I think, the chicken noodle soup. Yeah, fell in love with your chicken soup. I think it's always interesting, the food we cook for an occasion. You know, yeah. I was going to once do a book called What to Cook When. When you're depressed, when you're broke, <laughs> when you want to seduce somebody, <laughs> when you know, you know, have somebody important coming to dinner. Did you think about that when you were cooking for him? Well, it's funny, I guess I just made something that day. I knew he would love. Like, mm. a, I mean, a roast chicken, who doesn't love roast chicken? Mm. And the roast chicken I love is Ina Garten's mm. roast chicken. It's called her engagement yeah. chicken because I think oh, when yeah. people make it for people they get engaged or something mm. lemon garlic onions up the chicken thyme salt and pepper all that yeah. and you scatter onions around the chicken but yeah. you pack them in really tight into the yeah. tray and then you roast them really high about an hour and 20 minutes and they're done and they're perfect and then when you take the chickens out you then kind of saute in some wine and some butter and into that yeah. oniony, garlicky mixture. Yeah. Oh my God, it's divine. It's really sticky and yummy. And then they fell in love. That That's it. it. That's it. That's all it took. Easy. <laughs> but were you growing up? Tell me more about your mother. Did your mother work? She had four kids and so her cooking was... What so was she that was like? an actress when Fee and I were very little mm. and then she just had too many kids. She had two more after me and Fee mm. and then I think, you know, really felt she needed to be home with us. I don't know if she loved cooking because mm. it was more of a chore for her mm. with kids being like, I don't like risotto. Yeah. I don't, you know, I think yeah. it's probably like a bit joyless at yeah. times. Did she teach you how to do her recipes? She did, but she sort of is a bit of a, just bung it all in. Yeah. You know, she doesn't really. So was it very British? Yeah, then? very British in general. And then definitely every Sunday was the religion of the Sunday roast. And what was that? As an American, I'm really intrigued by yeah. that whole British Sunday lunch. You know, well, it's like Christmas dinner or Thanksgiving every yeah. Sunday. Every Sunday we would either have roast beef, roast lamb, roast chicken, or roast pork. It was one of those. Always a roast. Always a roast. 
And then we would have roast potatoes with the beef. You'd have Yorkshire puddings. We'd have everything. We'd have the bread sauce. We'd have vegetables. We'd have gravy. I mean, I just have this lasting memory of my dad's plate just like swimming in gravy. (laughs) Swimming in it. Emily talked about Sunday roasts when she was a child. So when we're roasting meat here, we like to sear the meat and get a good colour on all sides. And then often we'll put it into the wood oven and get a dry heat into it to start the cooking process. And then maybe after 10 or 15 minutes, we go in with hard herbs, whether it's rosemary, sage, bay. And if it wants a splash of wine or water now, this is the same whether we're making slow roasted veal, spatchcock chickens, pot roasted beef fillet, this is the way that we like to do it. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Help helps is a maxim I believe in. We all carry around stress and hardship, and when we keep it inside, it starts to chip away. Therapy is a safe place, and therapy is for everyone. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Ruthie today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Ruthie. BetterHelp com slash Ruthie. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. So when you're growing up with this, you know, really important food tradition in your house of sitting down to dinner that your mother cooked, what age did you kind of leave? Did you go to university here and stay home or did you go abroad or did you... So I am the only person in my family who didn't go to university because when I was about 17... I did this play with my school Mm. and an agent came to see the play and he said, I think you're really good. You should do this. Mm. And I really had a cavalier attitude towards it because I was like, oh, okay. I wasn't really thinking about being an actress. I was sort of wanting to go to university and do languages. Like I always loved Spanish and French and my mum's an amazing linguist. Yeah, brilliant, brilliant. She speaks like three languages. Mm. And so I was sort of inspired by that and wanted to do that. And then he said, well, why don't you give it a go? And... I'd also seen from my mother how tough the industry was. Mm. You know, I didn't have a rose-tinted gaze Mm. towards it. I'd seen how damaging it can be. It's so personal, you know. So I was like, okay, well, I'll give it a go, but I don't really know if I want to do it. I can't believe I was talking like that now because I truly am madly in love with it. But anyway, I tried it. I auditioned. I got my first job when I was... 18 once once I was out of school which was a play with Dame Judi Dench and she was just divine to me yeah. and Sir Peter Hall directed it I mean it was just mad I was just such a lucky was break the royal family it's like 1920s oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. it's based on the Barrymores their fictional family's called the Cavendishes and 
yeah, so it was quite soon after that, around 18, 19, I got my own place. In and London. then just, co- yeah, London. I got my own place in Parsons Green. Yeah. And I was so green. I mean, I just like went and looked at it and I just liked the look of the, yeah. <laughs> the colors on the walls. Yeah. So I just went with it and my mum came over and yeah. she was like, is there any heating in here? And I realized there was no central heating in the apartment. And I was like, oh, I just got it because the walls were really cool. (laughs) I think that's a good criteria. (laughs) It was a happy place. It just was freezing. And that's very young, 18. Yeah, it was young. And then did you cook at all? Did you still want to eat and cook? Yeah. I mean, I do remember before I did the play, I mean, you're going to be horrified to hear this because I haven't had one since. I used to go every night to Burger King yeah, and get a double cheeseburger before I went on stage. I don't know how I went on stage for two hours after that. I was going to ask, you know, because it is intriguing. You know, we all think about how we work and how we eat and when we eat and when we work and how we we sort of fit all that in. And so if you are in the theatre or you were in the theatre, would you still do that now that you would eat before going on stage? I think would I you? would. Like, I'm someone who needs to eat all mm. day. Like, mm. I'm not someone who can have three meals a day. Mm. I feel like I'm usually hungry most Mm. of the time. And so I try to do sort of four to five smaller meals Mm -hmm. throughout the day. But yeah, I couldn't eat a double cheeseburger with fries now and not want to go and have a nap. Yeah, but you would eat. At the time, I was 18, so I was like, oh, it's fine. So I would get to the theater around, I don't know, I guess we would go on at 7.30. So I would eat at like 6.15 and... Yeah. (laughs) Just disgusting just every night. Just eat, yeah. Every night I was obsessed with it. Yeah. It was my favorite thing. I get the tube in, yeah. Piccadilly Circus. I go to Burger King, yeah. go straight to the theater. I probably oh. stank of burgers. And <laughs> Did Judy Dench notice that you were smelling of, of a Burger King hamburger? You know, she's so lovely. I love to her. Me. Like every yeah. night after the show, she would bring me into her dressing room, and there'd be so many like. Yeah. famous people in there mm. and I was like wow like yeah. I was a kid I mean it was amazing and Peter Bowles was in it do you know him yeah of course. Really? I remember yeah. him and he took me so to the nice. Ivy for the first time yeah. yeah do you he remember that? that is, I do yeah. I remember it I mean I'd yeah. never been to a restaurant like yeah. that before it was mad yeah did you go to restaurants oh, with your parents did. if I remember on a Friday night we would go for a Chinese and mm-hmm. it was a great little oh, really? place at Roehampton really? like and yeah. crispy duck pancakes yeah. and so I remember yeah. just being obsessed with that kind of thing growing up but I feel it's a more common thing for people to take their kids out to mm. cafes and restaurants now. Yeah, and I think that, you know, as you say, it can be the penne, butter, and cheese. But sometimes, you know, I was once amazed. We had a, an eight-year-old who ordered a grouse. You know? No. They were Italian. But <laughs> oh, see, that's incredible. That's <laughs> incredible. Because like I know even for Stanley and Fee, like yeah. Stanley, who is, you know, yeah. Mr. Food, yeah. even his little kids, like they have about five things yeah. that they really love. Yeah. You know? And he's like, yeah. come on. You yeah. know? Like I made a lasagna for my kids yesterday and Hazel loves it and everything. But Violet, my little one who's four, she was really like, no, I just want the plain lasagna. I just want blanket pasta, mm. she calls mm. it. But I said, come on, you've got to try it. And then I'll give you the blanket pasta. And then she looks at it. She goes, it looks like a cake. I said, there you go. And then she loved it. Yeah. What about when you leave them and you go to yeah. do a film? Well, normally they're with me when I work, but it's hard during school time. And now they're both in school. Like when they were little, I could kind of drag them around anywhere. But now yeah. they kind of have to be a bit more stable. So they're going to stay in London at school. And I'm doing this six-part Western, which I'm completely thrilled by. It's heart-racing piece. It's sort of as violent as it is witty. It's brill. And it's written by Hugo Blick and 
It was brought to me about two years ago. We got delayed because of COVID, but I truly read the first page and I was like, I'm going to be doing this. This What is was just, it about the first page? It's so dynamic and arresting and beautiful. You just know the writing. It's all about the writing for me now. I'm just realizing you just cannot make a good movie out of a bad script. And there's conflict and intrigue and something mm. different I'm in. Are there other women? There's a couple of other really cool female parts. There's a lot of boys. This is like a very... But it's partly because she is presented as this aristocratic woman, as a real fish out of water in this rather brutal masculine world in 1890. Do you eat on the film set? Do they do good food or is it... It depends where you are. Depends on... Yeah. I've been someplace where it's not very good. But we're in Spain, so maybe it'll be They might. Yeah, they might do that. Sometimes I just try and make my own thing and I'll bring my crock pot and whip something up during the day so I've got something waiting for me when I get mm-hmm. home but I think when I'm working I don't tend to eat sort of pasta and bread because it just makes me so yeah, <laughs> sluggish yeah, yeah. so I'm obsessed with rice Let's rice talk is one of my favorite it's one of my favorite well, things on planet chosen a risotto yeah what do you love about rice I love the taste of it I love that you can put anything with it I love all kinds of rice. I love that you can soak it in stuff. Like I have this miso-soaked mm. black rice that mm. this chef I know does for me. I understand that Emily loves rice. So here at the restaurant, we use two different risotto rices. One is carnaroli. The other is violona nano rice. The carnaroli we generally use with chicken stock. And this can go with a variety of things, mushrooms, artichokes, greens, And then the smaller, fatter grain, which is the Violano Nano rice, we use with fish stocks. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house. And I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited-time 2% cash back on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. When I interviewed Michael Caine, yeah. he said that he'd never done a deal for a movie that was in any place other than a restaurant. Everything that was decided was decided. In his day, wow. you went to the Ivy or to... Like with your Spago, agent or something. With your agent, with the producer. Somebody's trying to convince you to be in a movie and it was done. Yeah. And I always think it's interesting how people, going back to restaurants, how people use restaurants. So some people mm. use it to, you know, announce that they want a divorce or they yeah. want to fire someone. You can do a very private thing in a public space do you know i do see what you're saying about that people do use restaurants i think for me in hollywood like everyone meets in restaurants Mm. like i've met cast members for the first time in a restaurant i've met producers directors that's normally how i've met people it's only recently sort of over zoom or Mm. a phone call that it's very new to me because i do need to sit with someone and get a sense of them get a sense of the vibe and whether our energy is going to be good, whether it's going to be copacetic and a cool experience. 
And I'm always interested what people eat and what they order and what they drink. Like if they'll have a glass of wine, yeah, if they exactly. won't. Like so, yeah. if it's an evening sit down, I'll definitely have a drink. Yeah. You know, if it's someone I've never met before. Yeah. Because it's a bit nerve wracking as well. But a restaurant, it is that safe, atmospheric, yeah. buzzy place where if yeah. there's a lull in conversation, it doesn't matter. Uh-huh. There's always stuff around you that you can feed off, you know. Oh, there was somebody I was talking to oh, that said he absolutely did not like going into a quiet restaurant. No. That you or need that safety. And I think that's why people do things. It might be like firing somebody or breaking up because you can't throw a frying pan at somebody <laughs> in the middle of the sentence. Or, you know, really, you have, there is a kind of behavior. Yeah. But then also I think that a lot of people do go for a first date in a restaurant because it does tell they you do. something, doesn't it? They how do. the person eats, how they treat the waiter, whether they say thank you it's when they put something true. down. It's kind of does... It's very true, it's and I'm always caps. aware of how people are with... Because I feel sometimes everyone's nice to me. Mm. But I always watch how people are with the PAs on set and how are you with people working in a restaurant. Like, I want to get a real sense of who people are, is yeah. how they are with everybody. Did you ever work in a restaurant? No, but I did work in a catering company. Uh, how did you? This amazing friend of my mother's, gorgeous catering company that she does. And she would hire Fee and I to be her waitresses. Oh, really? <laughs> Yeah, it was fun, actually, because the food was so good. And she'd feed us, like, extraordinary food. And I have this lasting memory of a quail-leg canapé with hollandaise over it. And on this little crusty crostini, Fee and I used to just steal them. We used to, like, pop them like pills. I mean, we loved them. But I have that memory of the quail-leg. It is interesting, you know, just this conversation is about memory. You know, you might not remember... So many things about that experience, but the quails like comes yeah. right back. To you. I do remember turning up one time and I was wearing these really ugly sandals and I had a chipped blue nail polish. I was like sixteen, and she thought I looked so unpresentable. I had to wash dishes all night. Oh really? <laughs> <In the kitchen. laughs> she was like, "The best place for you, dear, is in the uh, kitchen." Oh. And I was like, "Oh dear." Oh. And what about the politics of food? Do you think about sustainability or about giving your kids organic food or farms? I do. Martha's Vineyard has so many good farms. Gorgeous farms. Yeah. they yeah. have the most beautiful produce and eggs and cheese and. In Brooklyn, it's harder. I find the produce is so much better in the UK. Better here. Yes. It's so real. Like, the carrots are all wonky. They taste right. Like, the strawberries, the berries, everything is just doesn't taste manufactured. And I think sometimes Mm-mm. it's not the same. Yeah. Being in the UK has been a bit of a wake-up call mm. for me of how much better I feel mm. the produce is here. Mm. And I think, again, I think that seems to be something that we're all thinking about our kids, aren't we? Definitely. That, I think, and I think that generation is really interested, especially as they get older, what they're eating. Yes. I mean, when I have dinner, when my grandchildren are older, one's a vegan, one's a vegetarian, <laughs> one's gluten-free. <laughs> it's like, you know, the, the, I think the politics of food are consistent with the politics of everything. Yes. Do you feel at the restaurant you have to adapt for people in that way? We're really lucky to be Italian because we are so focused on vegetables. Yes. yes. So a vegan can't have the egg, you know, tagliatelle, but they can have a spaghetti with peas. Or we do something called farinata. Have you ever had that? So good. You know, the chickpea flour. Yes, yes. And so they don't have to have gluten. And, you know, you can have a whole meal. And I get so excited to look at your menu and just see what's changed. And it changes all the time. It's just so exciting. Yeah. So if you were thinking about comfort, do you have um, a comfort food that you would go to? <laughs> you know? So that this could be anything. You know? It could be something that you reach for when you're feeling back to what to eat when, what to cook when. All right, I'll when do you two are things. need comfort, yeah. Like two, for me, one of my favorite things is a toasted bagel 
with tons of butter and marmite. Oh, it's my oh. favorite That's thing. <laughs> That's but I really say it's two really cultures. oh heaven. Mm. But I will say the other thing, if I were to, because it's pasta that I crave, is a cacio e pepe. Yeah. Chiedo vale la pena di restare qui abbracciati mentre il giorno non c'è più e la luna da lassù fa da specchio ai nostri baci. It's so simple and it's just one of my favorite things and the first time I had it was in Rome. And That's I was right. shooting a TV series in Rome that was not a very good TV series. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think anyone's <laughs> seen it. And I was living alone in Rome and I was like 20 years old, lived there for three months. Baci. It was near Campo di Fiori, and I'd go to all of these little local places, and I noticed that don't go to the tourist places. Yeah. And I remember this one Italian restaurant where all the locals went. The vat of wine was just put on the table. I don't know what wine it was, it didn't matter, and you get what you get. And they bring you a steak or pasta, whatever they have, and it was just heaven to eat like that. The simplicity of it. And I remember going and having Cauchy de Pepe and people saying this, I think they called it like the peasant pasta or something. It was sort of known as being a really sort of lowbrow pasta, but I was like, but it's pasta. I think it's a brilliant comforting food because it's the cheese. Actually, pasta, butter and cheese. (laughs) (laughs) It's just got a lot of pepper on it. It's got a little bit of pepper But I literally just want to eat like my children. Maybe that's it. Maybe that's all. That's what food is. (laughs) Food and memories and childhood and comfort. Thank you, Emily. Thank you so much, Ruthie. Love you. Thank you. Thank you. To visit the online shop of The River Cafe, go to shoptherivercafe.co.uk. River Cafe Table 4 is a production of iHeartRadio and Atomize Studios. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. It's a simple truth. No matter who you are, mental health challenges can affect you, and how you manage them can make all the difference. That's why everyone should have access to mental health support that meets them where they are and helps them get through. BetterHelp provides online therapy on your schedule. It's flexible, simple to use, and more affordable than in-person therapy. Connect with a licensed therapist selected just for you. Learn more at BetterHelp.com. That's better, H-E-L-P dot com. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed... (laughs) Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts, if you dare.